Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Mark with Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron. For the past 100 years, for more information, go to axontire.com. Also, if you're looking for a great place to find great sales tools for your salespeople, check out Arrow at heyarrow.com. Sean is with Hackett Financials. Nice enough to come on a couple times a week and talk about what's going on. And Sean is on location today. He is uh, in Lafayette, Indiana, at Purdue, giving one of his one of his speeches. And I'm sure heads were exploding in the crowd as you were doing that, Sean. Yeah, they're still mopping up now. So. <laughs> 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 those of you that haven't sat through one of Sean's um, uh, presentations, the look on people's faces when he starts talking about the stuff that's that's coming down with the weather effects that we've talked about here all the time yeah. is is probably one of the most entertaining things I get to watch when when I when I've been a part of that because it's it's stuff they never hear. It's, it's, it's for a lot of people, it's the first time they've ever heard it, and it's uh, yeah. And well, the way you no one really knows what I'm going to talk about. And then when I start talking about the sun and orbital theory, also mm. like, this is very different. <laughs> what? The sun has an effect on the weather. When did that start happening? <laughs> so yeah, it's uh it's interesting. If you ever get a chance to take a, hear Sean, give a speech, don't hesitate to go. If it's well worth your time, you're going to learn something great there. So, well, Sean, there's been, it's been a kind of a crazy week. You know, we had Friday had a big sell off Monday and Tuesday. We can continued that sell off through uh just about everything that's out there and and as you take a look what's going on now yesterday and today both markets are starting to rebound a little bit so i guess as you take a look at what's going on from an ethanol perspective i want to hit on this real quick i read an article yesterday talking about some concerns with world sugar supply because of um the amount of ethanol being produced in brazil and india with sugar there was some concern with world um supply sugar now that was the first time i heard about that you and I have talked about that extensively on here that both India and Thailand and that, that Southeast Asia region of, of sugarcane production had massive crops. Obviously, Brazil had some issues with their sugarcane crop because of, of uh, three or four freezes that came through there. So I guess what's your reaction to that, to that, that headline there? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, th- I just think it's kind of, um, I think it's just kind of um, old news to some extent, you know, I mean, um, um, we ethanol has been strong. I mean, our the margin, you know, the ethanol uh, in the U.S. The corn buying is a, very strong. The margins are very strong. Production is very strong. You know, it's all came from the oil market going from negative thirty five dollars a barrel to eighty five dollars a barrel. You know, 
And, uh, but now we've just, we've just seen a $20 decline in crude oil. What does that mean going forward? Is the ethanol train going to slow down a little bit? I would worry about that a little bit more than I, you know, I mean, I just, I think the most important thing with markets, you always have to be looking ahead and saying, you know, has that already been traded? Is Brazil tightness already been traded? Is Brazil, Brazil lower ethanol production been traded? I would argue it has already in the $20 uh, sugar price that we've seen already, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's like you're talking about, you know, I've been watching gasoline futures and diesel futures here the last, uh, you know, last week or so when, when this big sell off in oil happened last week. And like you talked about, I mean, the, both of those markets are just getting decimated right now. And you start looking at how that price is being readjusted to what's out there. It hadn't really and affected a lag the effect. price. I mean, but, it's, it's you know. not an immediate impact, but, you know, if we stay down here and we don't rebound right away, you know, that will filter into lowering the margins and all of a sudden things will, you know, not be as rosy on that front. And so it's ethanol is always a very um, uh, volatile, uh, you know, volatile area that, you um, has a lot of swings to it. We, we might be ready for a downswing if this crude oil thing is, uh, for, is, uh, is for real, you know? Yep. Yep. All right. Um, I did have a Twitter, uh, question come in and Kenny Roberts is the guy that sent this to me. And he asked if we were going to talk about cotton today and we typically do talk about cotton on Thursday. So let's talk about that a little bit. When you look at what's going on in the overall cotton market right now, you're still seeing some, you know, some, some movement there. I mean, it's still staying pretty strong. There's been some dips here and there, but I guess as you take a look, what's going on cotton, what's your thoughts there? Well, it got hit really hard. We got up to about 120 a pound and we got knocked down about 104, 105. I don't know what it's doing today, but uh, um, look, it's a very economically sensitive ag market. Who knows? We could speculate why China's bought so much. They did. Um, but that's not real demand. What I mean by that, Casey, that doesn't really mean that end user demand is strong, just means China's buying is strong. And I worry that if China has kind of, you know, bought it all and now they're set for a while and they pull back the throttles on their importing U.S. cotton and the end user's demand is less than we think it is, you know, I don't know, that, that, I'm not sure that the, that the current ending stocks globally and in the U.S. are going to be maintained going forward. I just I'm just worried about the economic fallout from all this inflation we've been seeing, and the potential additional headwinds from how this virus and how the government uh, decisions that are made around the world impact consumer sentiment and consumer demand for for, for clothing and cotton products. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you know, cotton did make did make some pretty big moves downward here of late. I mean, it got up to about like you said, one seventeen, one eighteen, I one twenty, I guess. And then it came back down to, I think right now we're trading at, as of 10.47 Eastern time, $1.11 an ounce. So price is still high, um, but there again, depending on what side of that, that's that uh, rise up or rise down. I mean, it's, it, you know, yeah. cotton needs to stay high enough so the acres <clears throat> get planted. So yeah. I, I, I think the market will maintain some high level um of price range in order to ensure that that get, happens and that they confirm that it happens. Um, but I think, well, you know, if, if those acres in, in Texas and the deep South get, get planted in, in good fashion, um, you know, I just think the balance sheets are, are the ending stock balance sheets are going to explode next year. And, and, and that, you know, we, we, it could be a first quarter um, down kind of a phase here with cotton that they just need to get those acres planted just in case. But so I, I'm just, I'm, I'm 
telling my customers, uh, you know, it's time to cash sell. It's time to get that locked in. I mean, that's a good price and um, it works under all and any circumstances. So, yep. All right. So a lot of this kind of rebound that we're seeing now is kind of from the, uh, the fear of the Omicron COVID virus that, that coming out of South Africa. Yesterday we did get a, a confirmation that the United States got their first case out of California. Um, natural gas had a big fall off as well. Um, when you look back at, at what happened Friday with everything else, starting to see some rebound there. Uh, right now it looks like you're trending up a little bit about 429 out there. So I guess as you take a look at what's going on, with natural gas, what are your thoughts there? And, that, and one more thing too. One sure. other question kind of on top of that. What 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 effect do you think that the long term of this, you know, the new variant is going to have on natural gas? Well, um, you know, if, if we shut everything down, of course, it would be a pretty large impact like it was before, right? Right. Of course, um, yeah. um, but obviously, if we have, you know, a, a, a right now, demand is going to be driven by the winter in the Northern Hemisphere and, of course, especially, of course, North America. Um, you know, if, if I, don't, I don't think demand is going to be a problem if, with a cold winter. The demand might be a problem if we put more restrictions on and we have more economic headwinds and we come out of the winter season, that's where the demand side becomes more vulnerable. But I think with the kind of cold winter we're looking at, Casey, that the, I'm not, I don't think demand is going to be an issue, you know, unless they just shut everything down all of a sudden out of nowhere. And I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, at least right away. I don't think they're going to do that right away. I think they're going to, they, it doesn't seem like they're ready to do that right away, but you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right now i i think it's going to be a long road to hope to get, to get the economy to shut back down like we did in in march of 2020 i don't think that's going to be or yeah and, and I, I think as long as the market gets comfortable that you know uh however long or however meaningful this current surge is that it doesn't lead to a lockdown it could lead to you know what you know uh Canceling flights from South Africa, you know, more mask mandates. But, but I mean, that's fine. Just as long as it doesn't mean a total shutdown, I think we'll muddle through, you know. So, all right. right. One other thing that I've been paying attention to, just because I'm thinking about building a a little building on my side of my house here, but there's uh, lumber prices. You know, lumber prices have, you had a huge run up, you know. now, wow, 2019, you know, had a big, huge run up, and then you come back down and take a look at where it's at now. It has settled back down there in that um, uh, kind of bottom out there at about 540 linear foot. So if you take a look at um, where it's at now, you're right now to this morning's trading at 895.90. That's a big jump from where it was, I guess. So what, what are your thoughts on lumber right now? And, and what, what, what direction do you see it going, I guess? Sideways. Um, our, our general view is that you know, we, we're in a post-bubble pop market. And so you know, we had that crazy all-time record high, double, triple what it had ever been before in history, and then crash, 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 and burn. And now we've, we're establishing a sideways trading range, volatile uh, sideways trading range, that probably is going to persist for an extended period of time, Casey. You know, I think uh, that's usually what happens after markets crash from a bubble top is they find a, uh, a place – 
and they, and they just consolidate for a while and, and let the market, you know, just absorb everything that just happened and, and really determine, you know, is that the right price or, or, or not? And I think we're just stuck in this back and forth, back and forth, you know, volatile trading range. So to me, if you're a producer of lumber, cast selling the upper end of the trading range, if you're a, a buyer of lumber buying the bottom of the trading range, I just think that's your marketing plan for 2022, you know? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, jump over, talk one more energy market here real quick. Here we'll hit on oil. We talked about earlier in the, uh, in the podcast here, but right now West Texas is, is trading about 64, 84, huge fall off. You know, it's been bouncing back up. It's trading down a little bit today, but as you take a look at what's going on in the overall oil market, um, you know, OPEC met the other day, yesterday, I believe. And I think there's today and yesterday and today that they're meeting, talk about production and what they're going to do there with the price of oil as low as it is. Would you, would you expect to see OPEC to start drawing back some of their production? And they've already constrained production for a long time, Casey. You know, I don't think they're they're interested in uh, reducing. I think they're interested in producing more crude oil. Now, you know, they might do. They might. They, you know, I, I don't. I don't see anything that, that says sixty four dollars is a, is a low enough price for them to be worried that you know that. I don't. Know, I don't think they're going to. Right now, I think eighty five probably got a little overheated and probably never should have gotten there and. At that, remember, you have to remember they don't want the U.S. to produce like crazy, like we did a few years back. They want to keep right. a whole, the whole fracking thing kind of contained. Well, you're not going to contain U.S. fracking at 85. I think that they want to keep it at a level that's still profitable mm-hmm. for them, but not so profitable that the U.S. gains market share. And I think 60s is the right number. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. it's good but not great for the U.S. It's really good for them, and it keeps. Everyone's saying, "All right, you know, we're we're, we're not going to invest in that new property. We're not going to drill that new well. We're just going to hold off because it's not a good enough deal for us to take the risk right now." You know. Okay. Yep. All right. Last thing, and then we'll we'll close it down here. Uh, earlier this week, Jerome Powell came out and talked about how we need to retire the word "transitory" in uh, <laughs> in talks. Which I don't know how you retire a word that probably should never been put in place anyway. But nonetheless. Um, the inflationary talks have, like, the Fed had pretty much made uh, a promise. I don't know, promise in the right word to use, but had had pointed towards that between sometime April, March, April, May time frame to look for some some quantitative easing to start doing some more advanced tapering and probably start to look at interest rates going up. What effect do you think that'll have on the the market moving into twenty twenty two? Well. You know, I think they're, you know, the whole transitory thing, I, it, it, I, you know, I think where they misjudged the transitory thing is that, the, you know, it, it, it might be transitory, but it's not, it, it's not six months transitory, maybe five years transitory, right? So, right. you know, a lot of the bottlenecks, you know, we will get the system improved over time. It will get better. I mean, all, 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 you know, begrudgingly slowly, I just think they thought it was going to be a quick a quicker transitory, not a longer transitory. And so now they realize they made a mistake and, um, and are now thinking they need to do something to ease back the law you know, that this inflation might not just be a, an up down thing. I, I, I take the view. Are they really serious about tapering? Are they really serious about raising rates like crazy? I'm not sure 
how serious they are. I know they might do a little bit, but I don't really think they can, Casey, with all the spending that the, the uh, government has approved. I mean, I'm not sure that how do you pull back on the money printing? How do you pull back on the liquidity? How do you pull back on all of that when tens of trillions of dollars are going to be spent um, on approved programs? I'm not sure you can do it. You know, I'm not even sure. I don't yeah. think that you can do it without having a big, big problem. We're oh, yeah. 2020 is an election year. Um, governments love to spend money in an election year. They love to buy votes. And, you know, it, it, I just don't see a, an aggressive tightening and interest rate increase and in, in causing the punch bowl to be taken away during an election year. You know, he was just reappointed, right? Right. You'd have to believe they got in a room together and said, come on board here. You know, I, I mean, I don't, I'm speculating. I'm totally speculating, but. It's you know, pretty you, speculation. <laughs> you kind of know what we need to do, right? You kind of yeah. on board, talk a lot, say a lot, but don't do a lot. Is it? You know, I I just have the sneaky suspicion that's what we're looking at. You know. Yeah, I would agree. I think that your uh, your your uh, hypothesis there is probably pretty close to what happened. I would I would guess. Yeah. Because you got you know you got Janet Yellen on the other side talking the same thing from a Treasury perspective and having the the Fed chair and the and the Treasury. Um, chairman or whatever you, whatever her title is um talking together is it's kind of one of those supposed to have you know separate but equal type approach to that to that thing there so it's a little little suspect there but nonetheless great all right sean good stuff as usual folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what's going on what's the best way to do that hack it h-a-c-k-e-t-t advisors.com lots of information on there about what we do, how we do it, to see if what we do could be a value to your listeners. Right on. And on that same point, if folks want to reach out to you and get and try to book you for a uh, speaking engagement, what's the best way to do that? On our website, there's a there's a a, a tab on uh, speaker engagement on the front page that takes us to our booking agent, the Tiller Group, that they can book us if they want to. So right on. Sounds good, man. Well, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time. That sounds good, Casey. Thank you so much. Have a super day. You too, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironloc.com for everything Moving Iron related. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here